Welcome back to Scripps Talks. Today we have Sagar Atri on the phone from India. Sagar did his master's degree in the School of Journalism a few years ago and uh, is now back in India working there and has written some reports recently about COVID-19 and we wanted to, to get his perspective. Sagar, thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Dr. Stewart. Uh, really thank you for having me. Give us a little background on uh, what, you're, what you're doing now, what your job is exactly. So yeah, I am rightly right now part of a company called India Health Fund. Uh, it's supported by an entity called the Tata Trusts, which is one of India's oldest philanthropies. My job currently is to scout for technological innovations uh, which can tackle infectious diseases exactly like COVID-19. Uh, our focus, of course, has been tuberculosis and malaria, which are much bigger and intractable problems in India for a very long time. Uh, but right now, we're also scouting for innovations and technologies which can help tackle problems such as uh, COVID-19. Apart from that, I think uh, I've also been writing for a few news uh, outlets on how a variety of uh, interventions are needed to tackle such infections. Most of our news coverage in the U.S. right now is obviously focusing on the disaster, really the disaster scenario that we're facing in this country, mm. you know, focusing on the um, the preparation or the lack of preparation in the mm, U.S. Right. But, we, but we know this is a global pandemic, and mm. it really, you know, it connects us to the rest of the world, but we're, we're not paying as close attention, I don't think, as we need to be mm. paying to what is happening in other countries. Other, other than China, you know, we're not getting, mm, right. or China, China and Italy, really. But what about India? You right. know, we can only imagine um, the scale of the challenges in India. So give us a sense of what, uh, what the people of India are facing uh, I think uh, India has, uh, to the government's credit, they have taken it fairly seriously. I think the government realized that they really cannot afford a situation like the U.S. or Italy quite early on. So we've all been put under lockdown since March 14th, uh, which essentially means that everything but essential activities have been stopped here uh, at home. One thing which has happened, which is good, is that there's not a lot of people on the streets anymore. Uh, it's reducing a lot of uh, interactions between people, which essentially is reducing infections. Uh, on the other hand, however, I think uh, the testing, uh, the, rate, the rate of testing that needs to happen is probably not happening in India as much as possible. And India being a very large country, people coming out, uh, people coming from various countries into India, into its larger cities like Bombay and Delhi, we already may have had a lot of people who may have carried the infection back to India. And tracing all those people who have come from abroad, uh, really aggressively tracking them, treating them, finding out all their contacts is something that really needs to be stepped up and which is being repeatedly told by the experts, uh, which probably is not happening at the level that it's supposed to happen. An unintentional effect of the lockdown, however, was that India has a lot of large migrant populations of uh, people who work in the unorganized sector who are not part of a formal industry. That uh, has been a real challenge. Like their unemployment, their sudden unemployment because of these uh, vast swaths of industry closing uh, has been a key challenge that the government is really trying to grapple with. Fortunately, until now, we have not seen a really large jump in cases as we've been seeing in New York City or in Italy or in Spain. And we're hoping it will remain that way. But what everyone's urging, to trying to, urging the government to try and do is 
really aggressively capture all the hotspots, all the major areas which are likely to have a large number of infections uh, well before the lockdown ends or at least have a plan ready to extend the lockdown in stages or according to geographical areas. Uh, so that once the lockdown ends on April 14th, we don't have a really large body of people who's moving around and then again transmitting the infection across uh, the country again. To sum it up, I think uh, India has taken some proactive steps, taking into account its vast size, uh, the density of its population. But we still need to have a bit more medical steps, uh, some more testing to really bring that, uh, bring comfort to everyone that we really don't have the level of infections uh, once the lockdown ends. Is there right now a good sense of how many people have been infected or, or perhaps even uh, died from the virus? The official numbers right now are around 3,500 people have been recorded to have infection. They've been tested, they've been are being quarantined and actively treated. About five to 600 of them often have recovered and gone back home. They've been around 105 to 110 deaths. Uh, but I think... Oh, the biggest challenge in India is that we have a really large volume of uh, respiratory infections uh, like tuberculosis, like influenza, uh, COPD. Uh, some of India's cities have a lot of pollution in it. So sometimes even if a person has uh, symptoms uh, like COVID-19, they may not have been diagnosed with COVID-19, which is a key challenge. There may be a reservoir of people who already have that infection, but because of the comorbidities that they already have, they may not be diagnosed to COVID-19. Uh, but uh, as far as we can tell, officially it doesn't seem like we have this huge explosion of infections that happened in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago, or it's still peaking right now as we speak. So that has not happened yet. We are still, India is still stable at around 3,500 infections. The numbers are rising day by day. We're getting more and more infections each day. Uh, but the spurt in infections does not seem to be as large as of now. And what about the borders uh, with India's neighbors? What what has been done to control or limit people going back and forth across borders? Uh, I think uh, for the formal channels of transport like uh, airlines and ships, uh, India is closed on all international airports, uh, all international ports. Uh, we're not allowing any foreign cargo ships or passenger ships if there's are need to come into the country. They've been quarantined until uh, they've been tested for it. I think the bigger problem here would be the informal borders on the northeast and on the northwest, which we have with a lot of Southeast Asian countries uh, and also with Pakistan and China. Uh, so those borders, of course, there is uh, there are tries to test uh, and uh, you know prevent the entry of people through those borders. Uh, but there are a lot of places where people actually can come into the country and those some of these areas are not as well guarded. But I don't think the focus has been a lot on these countries because they're not being considered as a major source of infection. Uh, but formally, I think India is really not planning to open its borders to the outside world anytime soon. The international airlines for sure are, not, are closed until April 14th. Uh, and then I think there's a plan to open airlines from countries which have severe infections on a stage-by-stage -stage and case-by-case -case basis after they have taken into account the uh, number of testing and the number of cases that are prevalent right now. People coming from Italy and Spain and probably now even the United States, uh, I don't think they'll be allowed back into India uh, in the very near future because of the number of cases that are happening in those places. You also, in your position, you do uh, work related to other infectious diseases. What's happening yeah. with the ability of India's medical system to cope with all the regular 
you know, medical challenges with this on top of it? The public health system, for sure, in some major areas like Delhi and Bombay. Uh, so Bombay has had quite a few infections uh, and in quite a few very crowded spots and areas. Uh, so there's definitely a stretch on that system, and especially because uh, a lot of doctors are being pulled into these kinds of duties, there's definitely a surge uh, of cases of uh, infections being reported, of people really panicking and coming to the hospitals. Uh, so yeah, it's affected the medical system to a great extent, mainly in the public sector, which is already already very overstretched. The government again is being very very cautious in terms of keeping all its uh, field activities. So for infectious diseases, India has a program where uh, we have voluntary health workers going to really poor socio-economic neighborhoods, trying to test and track and treat them for diseases like tuberculosis and emphysema and COPD. Uh, they're trying to let this not impact it, but of course it's not possible because they too have to go into neighborhoods which involves uh, uh, risking people living in those neighborhoods to infections which they, which they may have caught. So it has stretched the medical system, but fortunately uh, because there's not a large surge of cases as of now, uh, it's not widespread across the country. It's in a few pockets. In cities like Bombay, there are a few major hospitals which have really seen that surge. In some cities like Delhi, uh, and now there was a recent religious gathering which led to a really quick rise in the number of people diagnosed with infections uh, in some areas across the country. In southern India, there's a state called Tamil Nadu. Uh, so there were nearly 560 people who were diagnosed in one time because they had attended one same religious event. Uh, and it had people who had carried that infection to that event. Uh, so the, there are some of these hotspots which uh, have really burdened the health system there. Uh, but fortunately, uh, most of India's rural areas, a lot of the other smaller cities uh, have not seen as la large a surge of uh, infections or uh, the panic that has been seen in some of these areas. Uh, so we're fortunate that we're not overburdened uh, on most fronts. We're burdened on only some of these fronts. The lockdown which has been imposed also has led to people staying at home and resultantly uh, possibly it has led to a reduction in the number of people being exposed and then not overburdening the health system. So that message is being put out constantly by the government. You know, you spent some time here getting your master's degree, so you're connected to, you know, what happens in the United States, as I'm sure many, many people in India are. And you've written some about, you know, the, the Trump administration and uh, how they have responded to the situation compared to other nations. Mm -hmm. What do you think the view is from India as far as how the United States has managed this so far? It's clearly a problem. I mean, I, there's no fact point denying it. Maybe the United States, because it sees a really large volume of people coming from outside, uh, there should have been a very aggressive approach to testing, to really trying to understand the magnitude of the situation. Uh, a lot of us who read about and talk about health have been seeing Dr. Anthony Fossey of the NIAID speak and it's it's really been nice to have uh, really thoughtful voices like him to hear and try and understand how the infection is spreading across communities. Although he's speaking about the United States, it's really nice to uh, have scientists like him. Right now, I think one critical problem that we see from a very neutral perspective uh, is that uh, the United States also should be investing in something like a public health system. I think there's a lot of dependence on uh, the private healthcare system, the insurance companies, the lack of preparedness for something like that is visible right now when a pandemic like this is hitting. 
we are hoping like even when we're talking to people from the united states right now as part of our uh, activities uh, we're seeing that there's not an official lockdown in many of these areas uh, so fortunately i think it's not reached every corner of the country in the magnitude that it has reached new york city but the view here is that uh, there really should be a much more proactive approach at reducing the social uh, this uh, like increasing social distancing uh, reducing travel of people across the united states and containing it to the hotspots that are already there uh, rather than letting it spread i think it's a stage which needs to be uh, taken and it's a very proactive decision which needs to be taken one really good article which i had read about the us and while i was speaking to a few colleagues in the us was people are fearing that uh, donald trump probably feared that uh, it will be an overreaction it's going to affect the economy uh, but i think this is really unprecedented we really need to take steps which seem to be an overreaction but it's necessary to avoid something like uh, what is happening in new york right now or what is continuing to happen in some nations like italy and spain this probably should wake the united states up to the need for a more equitable and a more well prepared public health system and not depend on the private healthcare and spending out of pockets uh, and really taking more care of vulnerable populations uh, that i think is the sense that we are getting through our interactions with people there and also of course through reading news reports something like a pandemic really drives home the point what a small small world we really have quite a global experience to you know to realize mm. there really is no no place that is protected or safe completely other than staying home you know that's really your only right. only choice well how are you yeah. managing in your own work with all of the lockdown you're experiencing right now i'm trying to write a couple of pieces more to really cover a few other facets of the pandemic happening in india here uh, other than that i think all of us are working from home uh, we do have some really major calls lined up so what uh, our organization does is it invites proposals from people we're working as innovators to tackle these infectious diseases uh, so yeah it's be it's the things are much slower than they used to be uh, especially financial transactions any kind of uh, work that needs going outside it's pretty much not happening because of the lockdown it's harder than it usually is because uh, things move slowly uh, while we would really like to move fast and take some proactive steps and really accelerate some of the work that we are really doing it's a bit tough to be honest other than that i think there's two classes of people who are who exist in india so people like us who are in the middle class who do have the resources to stay at home we are faring fairly well i would say on the other hand i think uh, there are people who are not not as fortunate who work in the organized sector they are having it much tougher than we are uh work wise i think we uh, are doing fairly well we still going ahead with whatever activities we can work online which is i think uh, a revelation to a lot of indian people indian people are not used to working online to the extent that maybe that some other countries are uh, so we are learning to work online we are trying to understand how we can better function without traveling to our offices it's slower it's sometimes not as efficient but we realize it's not a deal breaker like life has to go on and uh, sometimes lessons like these need to come through four situations so i think we'll come to a consensus and an understanding of how things need to continue in in emergencies and especially for things like what we are doing tackling infectious diseases we we'll really like to continue our activities to the extent possible and really hope that this is not continued for a prolonged period of time well sir we thank you for joining us on scripts talks and anything that you would like to add or uh, 
relay to your Athens community? Yeah, I think uh, I really missed Athens. I kept reading the updates from Ohio University, spoke to a couple of uh, professors there, uh, and it's really good uh, to be on SIP, uh, SIP stocks because uh, it was a really special time where I, which I spent there. Uh, and it really prepared me to, you know, look at journalism from a very different angle. Uh, I was a journalist in India before, but uh, being at Scripps gave me a very new and interesting perspective to the way journalism can be done. So I really missed that community. I was supposed to come back, but because of some uh, personal reasons, it could not happen. But I hope uh, all of you stay safe. Uh, I know the university is not uh, reopening for classes anytime soon, but I hope that the Rockcats get back to work as soon as possible. Uh, but most importantly, I hope the infections or the disease does not reach community in the magnitude that has reached elsewhere. Uh, so I really hope the U.S. and all of us actually can recover from this as soon as possible. And really thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always been an honor and uh, it's a privilege to really be part of this community and be called back to speak on uh, this podcast. Well, best of luck to you and yes, please stay safe yes. and uh, we'll keep reading your reports as they come up. Yes, thank you.